Hi, I'm Joy. Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Girlish Gurus. And Susan, why are we here? We are here to start a conversation about female empowerment and the issues facing women our age at this time, and to have some fun along the way. So, let's get started. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish Gurus. Yay! (laughs) We picked a topic today that is of interest to both Joy and me. And as we did research, it just kind of uh, brings up all kinds of more interesting things to talk about. So we hope you enjoy this. Our topic today is going to be intuition. Yes, and I'm so excited to talk about this because it's such an interesting topic for so many reasons. It really is. As women, we are sometimes touted, sometimes denigrated (laughs) for our intuition. But this conversation, in my mind, begins to validate intuition in general as something that's real and something that I think we are conditioned away from to a certain extent in society and why it's important to get back in touch with our inner selves. Right. Intuition plays an important role in our decision making. Yes. And how we respond to things. So, Mm -hmm. and that was reaffirmed for me as I did the research and read a lot of these articles, which was good. Oh yes. It was wonderful. And it was, really interesting for me to start reading through some of these articles and learn so much more about the science that's available for intuition. Exactly. So the science aspect of it is really interesting to me because I think we can all agree that basic science principles are everywhere around us. And in the past, there hasn't been a lot of science backing up intuition. There hasn't been a way to measure it. There hasn't really been a way to empirically observe it. And that's been an issue up until recently when experiments have been developed to help measure intuition and take a deeper look at it. So there is more and more information about the science of intuition out in the world. And one of the things that you found, which I thought was an excellent article. It was. This article by Jeremy Sutton, PhD, talks a lot about intuition and the science of it in a very understandable way. Well, first of all, the name of the article is What is Intuition and Why Is It Important? Five examples. It's from August of 2020. So I think it was really timely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right in the middle of the pandemic. Well, and while his five examples are interesting to me, that's not the best part of the article. The best part of the article is everything around that. I mean, his examples were citing how dentists, business people, stockbrokers, artists, he gave examples around them as far as how they use their experience to make decisions, and he calls that intuitive or intuition. Mm -hmm. But to me, what was more interesting was just about how this article 
talked about how scientists have realized, and I think it's been probably maybe within the last 20 years are starting to realize more and more and have broken out the dual process theory of how our brains work and how we make decisions and that it's split between our intuitive thinking, which is experiential and tacit, to our analytical thinking, which is more rational and deliberate. And I think that's how a lot of the scientific community is looking at intuition versus how other communities might be looking at it. This is how science is looking at it and studying it. Well, and I do think it has lent itself to that whole spiritual examination because in the past, again, it has been obvious that we are intuitive individuals, but we really haven't been able to explain it scientifically. Right. So therefore, it's easy to see why folks who are more spiritual have explanations and thoughts on how intuition works. And they've leaned more on that and trusted in that where scientists tended to be more skeptical about it, I guess. And want to study it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what scientists do. Right. So one of the things that, first of all, there's so much good information in here. So I would take the time to read this article if you can. But he referenced Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite authors, and his book, Blink. The subtitle is The Power of Thinking Without Thinking, Mm. which to me, that's like the definition of intuition, right? So Malcolm Gladwell describes the two different approaches as blinking when we're using our intuition and thinking when we're using our analytical processes to make decisions. A quote from him is this, there can be as much value in the blink of an eye as in months of rational analysis. That's pretty deep. That's a mind bender right there. But that he's saying that's the importance of using our intuition, right? He also says that intuition or blinking typically refers to the use of knowledge that is not explicit and in popular culture might be described as a hunch or women's intuition. Ha ha. When it (laughs) happens, it's hard to quantify or define, but it's there. And we know it's there, mm-hmm. right? So I thought that was really interesting. Well, I know I've had situations in the past where I've had a gut feeling about something. I am sure we can all cite examples of when that's been the case. When we listened to it and it served us well, and when we didn't and we wish we would have. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's happened to me too. And I can probably cite many examples of it. I won't get into no, no. To them. No, no. We don't but, get into specifics but, here. I've learned, though, to trust it. I mean, it takes a while before you do, but once you see it played out so many times, then you start to go, you know, I need to start listening to that Mm -hmm. when it comes up, that feeling I get that says, "Mm, this doesn't feel quite right, or "Mm, that person, I'm not sure about them. Mm -hmm. Should I trust them? Should I not? That kind of thing. So, yeah, definitely something I think if we're all being truthful, we could say we've encountered in our lives. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the other thing in this article that I found interesting, it says that there are different attributes to our brain function that together kind of guide and create our intuition. And that's what surprised me a little bit because they've got this down to these things, which to me, I just always I don't know. I looked at it as a spiritual kind of 
energy thing. Mm-hmm. The scientists are saying there are actually things they can point to that culminate into what is our intuition. So they say we often resort to heuristics, which are rules of thumb. That's things that happen all the time. Then we can count on those and those help build our intuition. Uh, Recognition of a similar circumstance. Some things that are just automatics for us that after a time we just know that's what we need to do. Forward and backward references also play an essential role. The knowledge we've acquired through experience helps us predict intuitively certain things. Learning and retrieval are also highly relevant in a successful intuitive process. Having experienced objects and scenes before, that allows us to be more adept at pattern matching to support our ability to decide quickly or differently. And this was a new word for me that I discovered, and I thought this was interesting. It said, intuition appears to arise like an epiphenomenon out of the interaction of many distinctive cognitive processes rather than a single one. And I found that interesting. They combine to deliver a fast and effective response when it is most needed. Now, the definition of epiphenomenon is a mental state regarded as a byproduct of brain activity. Hmm. But the main gist I got out of this as again, I said, there was so much in here that I found fascinating is while we may be mostly unaware of our day to day decision making, it's likely to be a mix of intuitive and deliberate thinking. Oh, of course. So yeah, I learned a lot Mm -hmm. from reading just this one article. So One thing he said that I found very, very interesting is that, and this goes to proving why intuition is important and why we developed it over time. He says in the article that intuition offers a reduction in overall cognitive load and the ability to respond instantly while providing confidence in our knowledge and decision making even though it may defy analysis. And he's quoting another guy there, mm-hmm. which you can find this citation in the article itself. But I think that is so interesting. Your intuitive skill set basically allows you to spend less time thinking about certain things. Right. All I can think of is <laughs> Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory, you know? when Do you ever watch that show? Yep where he's rolling the dice to make decisions. Oh, right. Because he's trying to spend more time solving big problems, right? <laughs> so it's, he's like, oh, do I want the cheeseburger or do I want the, the fish tacos, right? <laughs> and he rolls the dice. And that, to me, is kind of what they're talking about here. Intuition is not only something that can help you in certain circumstances and You want to rely on it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also a critical tool in being able to accomplish tasks and move forward in your day-to-day life because it takes part of that responsibility off of your brain. Right. (laughs) It allows you to focus on other important tasks while you are accomplishing the mundane day-to-day things you need to get done. And I think to me, that is just so fascinating how your brain and your body overall work to 
help you exist on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But I think driving can be a good example because especially after you've been driving for a lot of years, let's just say you're out on a highway. And I know I, I mean, when I drive long distances this way, there's just, you just get this feeling of, mm, I think I need to change lanes here. That comes from driving for many years, from the feel of how traffic is going. And that's not something you spend a lot of time thinking about. You just kind of go, mm, I feel like I need to change lanes or get over here or do this or do that. And I think that's one way we do use our intuition when we're driving. Now, when you're young, when you're first learning, you're not going to know those things. Ah, there it is. Yes. You know, because mm-hmm. you've not built up that experiential knowledge of how it feels to be on the road, what other drivers might be <laughs> right. doing, blah, blah, blah. Your skill as a driver does include a certain amount of intuition, especially when there's other people on the road and you've seen that type of driver before and things like that. Yeah. Right. So that's a good example. Yeah. yeah. Intuition helps us survive by providing fast responses that usually offer an appropriate immediate action to address a situation. Such responses rely heavily on cultural capital, learnings specific to the environment in which we find ourselves. There were some comments in the article too that says, you know, we can't rely entirely on our intuition. It is a piece of our thought processing. So to always say, oh, I've got to trust my gut on this one may not always be the right thing to do. There are circumstances where it is better to lean on that. And then there are circumstances where you need to use your rational linear thinking to make decisions. And so we have to learn when it's best to use one or the other. It's just like in the Karate Kid. It's all about balance. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. So because we are talking about issues related to a certain demographic, I do want to talk a little bit about how this can be valuable information for women who are in our age group. Mm -hmm. I found reference to Judith Orloff, who I've heard of before. And then I actually got on her website and looked for some specific articles that she had written. She's an MD. And she is also the assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA. And heavy hitter there. So she is. I mean, her background is amazing. But she's also the author of Guide to Intuitive Healing, Five Steps to Physical, Emotional and Sexual Wellness. And in her practice, she encourages her patients to use their intuition to give them more information about their bodies and their health, which as a woman, I don't know about you, but I have learned to use that. If I'm not feeling well, there's usually a reason. Mm -hmm. And I usually listen now and know that I need to be doing something different. Or taking some kind of action. Or taking some action. So I'm going to read this next paragraph because I just think it's really important. And this is what uh, Dr. Orloff has to say. Just like the brain, there are neurotransmitters in the gut that can respond to environmental stimuli and emotions in the now. It's not just about past experiences. When those neurotransmitters fire, you may feel the sensation of butterflies or uneasiness in your stomach. Researchers theorize that gut instinct plays a large role in intuition by sending signals to your brain. 
I teach my patients to always listen to their gut, that sixth sense that's telling you something might not be right, particularly if you're sensing danger. If you listen to it and you're wrong, you've lost nothing. Perhaps you took a longer route home or you ducked into a store until the feeling passed. If you don't listen to it and you're right, things could turn out very badly. More often than not, your gut is right. So listen, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Ooh, good one. And there's more and more research around, and we didn't even get into this piece, about how we actually have two brains, one in our head and one in our gut, that our Mm -hmm. gut is almost now considered to be a second brain because it gives us signals just like our brain does Mm -hmm. about our well-being, our bodily health, our mental health. But, you know, think about it. We already knew that. When you have something happen to you, like a shock or a scare or something like that, where do you feel it? You feel it in your gut. You absolutely do. So that makes perfect sense to me. That reaction to some kind of thing happening to you, you're going to feel it in your gut. And that's whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. You can feel strongly either way. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you get butterflies when you get excited about something. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people, I have family members and myself included, when I get anxious or nervous about something, I get upset stomach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of what you were talking about. That is real. Mm -hmm. Emotional or mental angst or nervousness can cause you to have stomach issues. Oh, yes, for sure. No Mm -hmm. question. So I found the information that Dr. Orloff was providing very informative. In her book, Second Insight, she recounts her journey to accept and embrace her intuitive abilities. She says, intuition isn't just something that strikes by chance. One must develop it. And to do that, she provides five steps that she recommends you do to help improve your intuition. Okay, so this is important because I feel like here we are talking about intuition. And again, I believe that society tends to condition us away from the use of our intuition. Mm. So there's got to be a way or ways that you can develop your intuition and strengthen it and begin to rely on it more and more and use it in an effective way, especially when it comes to your overall health and well-being. Correct. I agree 100%. I think at this point in my life, especially, I would never ignore those intuitive feelings that I might get about a situation. I just wouldn't. I would take a step back and think, okay, why am I feeling this way? But you have to be tuned into yourself enough. You do. To be able to sense that and feel it. Right. Well, here's the things that she recommends as steps you can take to develop your intuition. Step one, notice your beliefs. Your beliefs set the stage for your feeling. And this actually goes back to another podcast we've done on optimism. Mm -hmm. She says, positive attitudes stimulate growth. Mm -hmm. Negative attitudes impede it. It's important to rid yourself of counterproductive attitudes that you may not even realize you have. 
No organ system stands apart from your thoughts. Hmm. That's a deep one. Oh, right? yeah. That's a mind bender. Your beliefs program your neurochemicals. Hmm. And we could get into a whole nother discussion oh, here because yes. Louise Hay wrote a book that talks about a lot of the physical experiences we have are due to the way we think mm-hmm. and our psychology and our emotional stability. It's called You Can Heal Yourself. I'll put it in the references. I'm not going to talk anymore about it, but that's basically what she's saying. The second step she mentions is listen to your body. Your body is a complex and sensitive, intuitive receptor. Most people in Western society are conditioned to live from the neck up. Hallelujah. There you go. (laughs) Ignoring the rest of their body. Called it. (laughs) This stance is counterintuitive. Being aware of the sensuousness of your body opens intuition. Then you'll become more attuned to early warning signs your body sends. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Always listen to your body. Number three is sense your body's subtle energy. Now, this is the part that gets a little woo-woo, but I also feel there's credence to a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So we are composed of flesh and blood, but also of subtle energy. And I believe that. Me too. Wholeheartedly. Well, everything is energy. Right. We've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah. Chinese medical practitioners call it qi, a vital substance which penetrates the body and extends many feet beyond it. From an intuitive point of view, these vibrationally colored energy fields, whose centers are called chakras, have a significant effect on our health. For that reason, it is important that we learn to sense the energy within us, recognize when it is off, Hmm. which is key, and learn to correct the imbalance. Feeling energy can be very sensual, an extension of love. Learning to tap into your body's energy is healing. Hmm. The last step she gives is to ask for inner guidance. We each possess an intuitive voice that contains answers about our healing. Because our intellect is often so loud, this voice often gets drowned out. Because we're taught to think instead of feel. Right. You don't go to law school to learn how to be intuitive. No, you do not. (laughs) You don't go to many schools to learn how to be intuitive. It's essential that we learn to access the stillness within through meditation, quiet contemplation, connecting with nature, prayer, in order to gain answers about our health. Spend a few minutes each day devoted to listening to this voice. It may appear as a gut feeling, a hunch, an image, a sound, a memory, an instant knowing, as if a light bulb suddenly switched on. Learn to trust the signals your inner wisdom sends. Mm. And that takes a while Mm -hmm. sometimes. You have to practice that. You really do. You really do. Mm -hmm. Good stuff right there. And the last step is to listen to your dreams. Intuition is the language of dreams. Every 90 minutes each night during the REM stage of sleep, we dream. Dreams provide answers about health, relationships, career choices, any new direction. The secret is to remember them. I suggest keeping a dream journal by your bed. Before you go to sleep, ask a dream a question. For instance, 
Is this relationship healthy for me or should I move on? The next morning, write down any dreams immediately before getting out of bed. Try repeating the question every night for the next week until your answer comes. Hmm. As you develop the habit of remembering dreams, you'll be able to benefit from this form of healing. As a physician, I have a continual sense of awe for the relationship between body and spirit. As your heart opens, so does your intuition. Your intuition will teach you how to see and how to love. It will instill in you a renewed faith to face anything. Hmm. That one is a little wooey too, but dreams have been known to oh, be yeah. very powerful. Oh, so yeah. I'll provide a link to this article that Dr. Orloff wrote, because even though it was short, I thought it was a lot of great information. I don't think you can deny the fact that she is an educated medical professional. Mm-hmm. And so if this person is coming forward and saying, these are the things I've seen and I know to be true, then I think you add that together with the newly emerging scientific information And I'm saying, yeah, this is something that we should be paying attention to and that we should be working to cultivate. I also want to point out that Dr. Orloff, who is an MD, is also, as I said in the beginning, the assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA. So she studied both the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like she's got so much knowledge about how they work together And that that has informed her practice and how she teaches and treats her patients. I think never before has the mind-body connection been so forefront in the practice of medicine and psychiatry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. They're very interconnected. So. Now, are there any other tools that you found that we can use to enhance or strengthen our intuition muscle? Well, I did find an article in Forbes Women. So it was about four ways trusting your intuition is a superpower. Hmm. And I'll certainly put this. This was a a good article as well. There was a lot in it. But I'm going to actually share what was provided towards the end of the article, which was how to be highly intuitive and The author states that there are eight ways that you can work towards that. One was introspection. And some of these will probably be repeated from Dr. Orloff, but I think they're still worth mentioning. She states that highly intuitive people tend to take time for introspection. They check in with themselves for self-awareness and body scans. They ask themselves what they are feeling and where they are feeling it in the body. That does, of course, mimic what Dr. Orloff was saying. Solitude. Highly intuitive people recharge often and unplug. They seek solitude when they can to separate themselves from what others think they should do. Authenticity. Highly intuitive people are grounded in their authenticity. That means they put their authentic self first. Empathy. Highly intuitive people are often empaths. I think that's true. Dr. Orloff makes that connection in some other articles I saw on her website. They experience a lot of empathy because they are able to imagine what an experience is like for someone else. They don't necessarily project their own experiences when they do this. 
They seek safe spaces. Highly intuitive people know the importance of safe spaces. They go where they are celebrated and welcome others who are in need of acceptance. And that to me is a biggie. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, that's an important one. Oh, yeah. For everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read a little bit more out of that paragraph because I really feel like this is important. They know what it's like to be different because they are deeply feeling and highly sensitive. So they know how to interact with people who feel insecure. They are right there with you in the struggles you face. They have great empathy, but also great compassion. They are willing to be a safe space for you. This is another, like I said, really good article. Exploration. Highly intuitive people are explorative. They are always seeking new experiences and to learn new things. That's to sharpen their skills, but also to develop their self-awareness and awareness of the world. Creativity. Highly intuitive people are creative. They trust their intuitions and feelings to guide them with certain projects and tasks. They may find solutions that are not so obvious and straightforward. And the last one is mindfulness. Highly intuitive people are mindful. They focus on the present moment and tune out everything else. They know what matters most is right in front of them. They are in tune with themselves. Well, cultivating mindfulness is something that I've talked about a lot in a lot of materials that I've created over the years. Mindfulness, in my opinion, is something that we just need more of, generally speaking. And it can come off sounding a little woo-woo, but really it's just being present. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's pretty straightforward. It is. Well, she ends this article, interestingly enough, and the author's name is Sarah Jean Brown. She says, intuition is felt in the gut. Do a body scan and feel your entire body. Inhale deeply and exhale to breathe into your body. This centers you. The body senses what your conscious mind does not. But I think that's just an interesting way to explain what intuition can be and is for us. Mm -hmm. And it's a powerful tool. For sure. Yeah. So let's end on this note. These are the last few sentences in this last article in Forbes that we talked about. She says, ask yourself how you're feeling about something and note the sensations that come up. Imagine assessing the situation as swallowing a pill. How does the pill settle in your stomach? Do you have irritation, heartburn, indigestion? If your body responds well, then you know you have the right answer. Wow. Again, it's back to trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. And feeling it in your body. Mm-hmm. It's all Good connected. Stuff. Yep. It's all connected. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We learned a lot. We reaffirmed a lot. It was good. It was an interesting topic for us. So, so get out there and strengthen that intuition muscle. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Girlish Gurus. We hope you'll join us next time for a new, interesting, and fun topic. Be sure to check the description of this episode for any links or information about the episode's topics and to find us on our social media platforms. 
And don't forget to download this episode, give it a good review, and share it with your girlfriends. The more interaction we get, the more episodes we can post. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.